0: Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for hobby support group.
1: Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Tom. And how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. This bright, sunny Tuesday morning. How are you? Yeah, I've got a lovely bottle of Dr Pepper. That oh, nicely up, ready for the. This
0: will be a long recording, I think, today. We've got lots of stuff to get through. Yep, I have a bottle of.
1: Summerberry squash Ooh, You animal Quite tasty So what have we got coming up on today's February hobby roundup? We've got a
0: hobby report, what we've been up to, what we've purchased, games we've played And some the news And of course we have a trip through the gallery
1: Well shall we take a jump into hobby progress? I think we should hobby purchases so it's been over a month since we recorded some hobby progress what have you been up to doldrums of february andy
0: well yeah i had to go i did i finished one of my uh, my projects on my um on my oval list which is quite good i, I finished off the uh, 10 mil english civil war um just crossed off that finished that nice and early this month so i got to start work on some some other bits and pieces i've been painting um i finished my cuirasses for uh these are 28 mil english civil war because it's good to have english civil war in all kinds of scales isn't it why limit yourself for one scale you have 10 mil and 28 mil at least so i wanted to get those cuirasses painted in time for our big battle more on that later but we had a big battle of english civil war which is fantastic Um, And I um, attached, I attached some flags, some um, GB, is it GBM or GMB? Which is it, the flags?
1: GMB, I believe.
0: Yeah, they do lovely flags. And I put those lovely flags on my lovely models and they looked fantastic. Um, So I could tell exactly where they were from, whether the Tower Hamlets trained bands or if they were the from Essex, Robert Devereux troops. I so I've got uh, a wagon and some ordered shot and some gordons and some foot dragoons and some mounted dragoons painted and i've started work on my auxilia in 10 mil for my romans um but i think that's enough for one month that's pretty good not quite at the end yet so who knows i might get some more auxilia finished before the end of the month and that'll be my 10 mil romans completed as well my auxilia be another overall list tick so hopefully
1: get that done, certainly by the end of March. That's not bad at all. I'm pretty pleased. So uh, I've also had a, a pretty good month. I think January, I didn't really get anything completely finished to take off my Oval list. But now here we are the last week of February and I've now got three things finished. I've completely finished the last of the French and British six mil Waterloo armies. Oh, cool. They're all done. They... They, they may be not finished in that I might add more to them in the future. But for the moment, everything I bought for them is painted. So I'm counting those as done. Mm-hmm. There's nothing waiting to be painted for those. I have completely finished the 10 mil, like late new model army. And again, everything I bought for that project is painted and finished. I mm-hmm. may add some more to it after I've played with it a bit. For the time being, I'm um, counting it as done. Well, well, warn you, Tom. It's very difficult not to add to it. Well, it is. To it's be very honest, it, it was so cheap; it wouldn't be hard to almost double it in size. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, and it would be the price of a cheap night like, out to do that. But yeah. I haven't played the game with it yet, and I'm I'm trying to rein in the size of armies that I build. For games I'm only going to be playing periodically. Mm -hmm. I don't think I need massive armies for every single game I periodically play. I mean
0: for my 10 mil um, Covenanters I have a battalion painted up and I know that's pretty much all I'm ever going to need and it goes into a few boxes packs up nice, this 10 mil packs up nice and small. So that is done. I'm not planning to get any, I've got well, maybe we've got a couple more bits coming. I'll tell you more about that in purchases. <laughs> um, but a battalion, I think, is
1: is all you'd ever need in 10 mil. Well, what I did was I used the one of the suggested armies for the late new model army in the Tequila mm-hmm. King book. And I just bought, I built that, which is six units of pike, 12 units of shot, four units of cav and a Cromwell's double regiment. Yeah, and then they added a few cannons and some commanded shots and stuff to it, to and some dragoons to sort of round it a little bit. So it's a fair size army, but as we've spoken about a lot on the podcast, the, these small scale armies, when you put them down on the table, and when you they're fun to paint, you put them on the table, and the first thing you do when you realize them is, oh, this would look much more fun, a lot bigger. Yeah, I mean with my ten
0: mil stuff, I I bought the core of the army, I just added a little bit. I just add a little bit more. And every time I add a little bit more, it just looks even more spectacular. Yeah. But I think now, now I've got battalion. I'd have to think about starting a whole a whole new battalion <laughs> to go. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I don't need three battalions of Covenanters. That, that would be, I think, excessive.
1: Probably, it, it'd look cool, but also it'd probably make it more difficult to fit in a game in a couple of hours of a Wednesday evening, which is what we built these small armies yeah. for. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of cross-purposes. I'll be doing it just for the fun of it and um,
0: there's nothing some people are just painters and like to collect and that's your bag go for yeah. it but
1: I think I think I think I'm a i am I think that project is actually for once going to be finished yeah well so talking about sort of like just painting something really just when you haven't really got a purpose mm-hmm. with it is my third project that I finished this mm-hmm. month which is I'm calling them the naughty dwarves they're uh the Ragnarok dwarf Kickstarter that I backed mm-hmm. last year and they are absolutely exquisitely gorgeous mm. metal minis and I've painted each one like a character and I sort of I haven't painted them as black elves or drow or or zombies, I sort of painted them a, a very light blue, sort of like undeady kind of looking. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't actually got a game to play for them. I could easily play things like Frostgrave and that with them. and I, I might well use them in some Seven TV, but they were just a, a war band of, of really cool models that I really enjoyed. Uh, I pushed myself painting them to actually go, right, let's do some edge highlighting and all this sort of stuff on them, which I, I don't normally do. It was a lot of fun painting them, and I've had uh, fun and some experimentation basing them in that I even did some trial bases and work out I, I wanted the bases to look sort of like a a frozen muddy wasteland but I wanted the models themselves to be really matte and not shiny so like my, my way of doing normal mud if I wanted it to look wet it's just gloss varnish it but I I thought wanted to try it as some different techniques for making it sort of look like frozen ground and I discovered that using uh The Windsor and Newton artist Acrylic Gloss Gel on top of the basing material that I'd put down gives a, a really cool layer of sort of frozen slime-y mm. grime. And so they're, they're, they're really cool. And so I think if, when I get to doing some turnip stuff in the future, which I think is probably going to happen, and I now have a good way of doing 2025, basing. Year of the Turnip. Oh
0: we've to got, we got eyes this year, right? We've got um, <laughs> is it windy, but the uh, Napoleonic's next
1: year and windy boats the year after that. <laughs> I think it's, it's it's supposedly technical Napoleonic's this year, I think, isn't it? With eyes. Napoleonic's with eyes. We can combine the two. Perfect. Well, I, I, I don't know. So I've finished those three things off of my oval list now. Uh, myself, my hobby plans for March are I've got a SNLF little force that I want to get done for bolt action and also because I've got those models knocking about on the shelf so I'm going to get those built and painted and then I'm going to make a start on some of the 28 mil napoleonics because I think you know we'll be a quarter of the way through the year it's probably a time to start taking on some of those and I've not painted some 28 mil cavalry for a little while so let's break out the... The lancers and the hussars sounds good except for the part about painting cavalry it sounds really good <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a it's, uh, cavalry's an acquired taste i was talking to ricky last night and we had that going up later on he also yeah expressed a, a love for the cavalry army it's two models for one it's a bargain
0: yeah I've i've put together my portuguese infantry Stated ready to be um, undercoated. I need to make a work, start work on those guys. Um, I need to work out a quick way to get them painted. I want to, obviously a good way, but um, yeah, have a think about how to get them done in a timely manner, because I want to batch paint them. Cause I, want, I, I, think I, want, I want them done to a good standard. I'm not necessarily worried about them being done to the that golden demon level.
1: No, I'm I'm very similar. I'm thinking of painting most of them that are going to be multi-based to one standard and the ones that are going to be individually based for playing things like short practice to a different standard. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I've got a unit of middle guard that I think I might do the fanciness for, for playing small games and just all the rest of the dudes that's going on multi-bases. For my English Civil War, I've got everything multi-based except
0: the storming party. So that leaves me the option if I need like 10 models skirmishing for a skirmish game, like on guard or something, I have got some that are singly based. So I guess you can just leave one unit
1: like that. I'm the same with my English Civil War. The only things I've got on individual bases are my dismounted Dragoons and they're a pain in the neck compared to all the rest of the the multi-based stuff. They are, so, aren't they? <laughs> so, Yeah. It's so much easier to just pick up, especially even like some of my English Civil War stuff is on like three bases per unit, and others is just units are just on one big base, and it's just so much easier having the one big base. Um, so I think for most of my Napoleonic stuff, it's going on one big base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good plan. There's probably thousands of historical gamers listening to this now, sort of clutching the hobby cravats. Or multi-basing. <laughs> they're tearing their hobby gravats off in horror.
0: Um or maybe they're celebrating like, yes, it's so obvious. Why didn't I
1: think of that? Yes, of course. Well, when you I genuinely don't see if if you play if you're making an army for a game system that says uses 120 mil frontage and you don't remove models, why use like three 40 mil bases why not just use 120 mil wide base Easier storage takes up space
0: ah but you have to put it into a container and sometimes turning taking the sides off like my cavalry for example i put one down the side and then some along the top so although it takes up the same volume by adjusting the position of the horses and riders inside the case i can fit more in you'd never cut it as a removals man tom i'm sorry <laughs>
1: Now, some some of my cavalry have to put on the sides because you can't get like a flagpole in a really useful box. Exactly. So they go on their sides, but for things like commanded shot and like just like well musket men in general, which are all pretty short, I just I'm a huge fan of putting them on a single big base. Python, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I
0: absolutely agree. There's a place, absolutely a place for it. I'm just saying that I, the reason I can see why you might not want to. One, if you want to be playing skirmish games or games that remove casualties. Or oh, yeah. sometimes for just actual storage, sometimes be able to have two units that come yeah. together to make one big unit is, is just easier, gives you a bit more flexibility for storage.
1: No, I I think that planning store planning for storage before you start building and basing is really useful and important. Because I know with the six mil stuff I've been building recently, I like I'd worked out how many bases it was going to be and that's nearly all on sixty or thirties. But I realised I could actually fit all my commanders in a single tray with them if I put my commanders on twenty by Mm twenties. And because the commander doesn't really exist in the game anyway, he's just a token that you measure from. I'm technically doing myself out of, you know, ten mils of bubble, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And they actually they 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 fit in the tiny gap in the tray. I was like, well, that saved me having to use an extra half a tray. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like four, because there's nothing more annoying than when you you packed your whole army up and you go, "Oh, I've got these three forty by like three thirty by thirty bases. that don't fit in the tray," and I just generally end up chucking them on the top and chipping them all. So, and no one wants to chip model. No,
0: I've actually got i got I've got a troll that's all chipped up. I had to, I'm going to be repairing him later. Well, old metal Lord of the Ring troll. It fell apart into pieces like five years ago, and I've been mean to like. Stick it back together. game has been rattling around, and so now it's all chipped up. And I'm like, I should have, shouldn't have procrastinated. I should have gotten a fixed it earlier.
1: Well, before we next play a big game of English Civil War, I'm going to have to do quite a bit of TLC to repairing those. Like I've lost a lot of riders to the Northern Horse. Oh. shot off their horse, probably. <laughs> yeah, i have uh, had too many sherry's and took a tumble. It's talking of sherry's, which
0: has no link to things we've purchased. Recently, unless you bought some sherry. (laughs) I've purchased no sherry at all. Oh, well, have you been purchasing, Tom? Let's find out. Hobby purchases.
1: Well, I purchased a rule set and the models to go with it for the grandiose sum of £15. Ooh. And I bought... Poseidon's Warriors, mm-hmm. which is an Osprey book from 2016, I believe, which is playing sort of ancient naval warfare. Trimorans. Trimorans and quads and all that sort of stuff. So you can play like Peloponnesian War, Punic War, Roman Civil Wars, all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I don't know why, just on I, I saw somebody playing it and I had the sudden whim to give it a go myself. I Bought it, thought, right, one twelve hundred or one three thousand ships can't be that expensive. Mm-hmm. Looked at them and said, like, Oh, they're more expensive than what you think when you need 50 of them. <laughs> Often that's the case, but then, uh, looking at an old uh, Meeples blog post, uh, mm-hmm. somebody posted that they'd also picked the game up and they found that tiny tin troops do. Uh, card-mounted ship tokens and so I got a Roman and Carthaginian fleet for four pounds which are one twelve hundred scale ships. I just need to cut them out, stick them on some foam core board, and we can play a couple of games with it. I'm
0: gonna demonstrate some knowledge about Carthaginian and Romans. The Carthaginians had better boats until the Romans invented the Corvus, which is a boarding plank. It's the single um, most devastating development in war, perhaps since the invention of the sword, I guess, uh, and uh, completely swung the battle because they realised they could turn uh, a sea battle into a land battle and use a superior troops to, to board those Carthaginian ships and take them over. Go and read about the Corvus on the Roman ships.
1: But that will be uh, something we'll hopefully get to play before long. And I just thought it was it, it was a cool idea of I wanted to try it out, because we've talked a lot about using stickers and tokens and that sort of thing. And I thought, my initial thought when I realised the ships were a bit too expensive was, could just use a load of bases painted up and go, right, Yeah. The, the blue bases are quads, the red bases are tens, the orange bases are eight. But then when I realised for £2 per fleet, as you're playing a top-down naval game, they just look really cool. I'm always amazed that there isn't someone who just does top
0: down views of units, like for Kings of War. Because you just put down a unit block and it's there. It's all like enough. It's over there or it's gone. It's like a top down um, view of like a unit of dwarves at the right size. Like, why are there not PDF files of this somewhere? And you could print it out an army, put it in a folder, and then play games. Well, that's just that's just, a, just a thought. I, just I if think it it's available. something
1: that would be really cool. I I would be well up for, for giving something like that, go. Because I know you've mentioned before, haven't you? Things like the flat neoprene forests and stuff. Yeah, that like a top-down forest. This is like right. You, you could keep like if you were playing like a rural battlefield, you could keep it all in an A4 folder. Yeah, and right. This is all the terrain I need. And for like when you're traveling to. Games and clubs that having a bag with yeah you know, having a box file which has all your has your army your terrain and everything in mm-hmm. I think would be a, a massive positive because I would imagine the vast majority of gamers struggle for storage space so and sometimes if it's a game that you, I want to give this a try right here's ten pounds print out your army stick it on some card it's so much. An easier buy in and an easier sell. Oh
0: I mean I've I've played um with Ed, we played fantasy skirmish games on I've got a little little like three foot by three foot map and some two D like scene um neoprene scenery, just chuck it out, play the game, packed it all up. Like everyone is still trying to get their scenery in their boxes and I've gone bop 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 bop, done, all in my bag, ready to go. It's it was just really, really handy for you know having a quick game on a Wednesday night at the club.
1: So, how was uh, your purchase for February gone? Well, it started off quite well.
0: Um, I decided on my uh, my mystery square Ooh, for my overlist, and I bought uh, a cornate blood bowl team. They thought they looked really, really nice. Just a fun bashy team. I love corn. Um, really, really good. Well, what's not to uh, love about their corn? Exactly. It does exactly what it says in the tin. You run at things and kill them fantastic i didn't like there's a blood spawn model from forge world which i don't really like and i managed to find a a model online a 3d print which i have which i ordered as well to go in there as um i guess i'll post on the facebook group in a bit i'm just i'm just trying to get a chance to assemble all the models together but instead of being however much it was at forge world whatever i I picked up for like seven pounds off ebay so that was really good um it's supposed to be a flesh golem but it's so big, I'm like, well, this is perfect for the big guy for the corn team. It'd be a bit big if it was actually um, on the necromantic team. Then I finished my English Civil War and I thought to myself, well, I actually could do with just a few more dragoons and a few more Scots lancers and some wagons for objective markers. So I ordered some more of them to go into the 10 million English Civil War that I've got. So I did actually purchase some more 10 million English Civil War just to completely round off just to completely round off that project. So I've definitely got everything I need. I've got enough Scots Lancers, I've got enough Dragoons. I've got enough wagons. That was like £10. Now, the interesting thing is I placed the order. Lancer. Uh, Lancer miniatures do lovely 10-mile stuff. Uh, very affordable. And I was away, and when I came back, there was a little red card saying, oh, you've missed you. So I went to the post office I picked that package up, and I got home, and I opened it up, And I read inside, and it said, "Hi, John. Thanks for your order." And I'm, well, I'm not John. (laughs) And I opened up, and I looked in, and I think I know why the Marquis of Montrose did so well in his spectacular victories. It was because he had um, 20 mil English um, British infantry (laughs) um, with a a dingo armored car and Bren guns, because they'd (laughs) accidentally sent me um, 10 mil World War Two guys. Uh, instead of my English Civil War so I messaged them and they got back the same day and they were very apologetic they're really sorry we will send you um, the correct guys we'll get them uh, moulded right now we'll get them out to you and you could just keep the 20 mil stuff we accidentally sent you now I believe it's my belief that a real test of a company comes when they make a mistake there are companies I don't use anymore because they made a mistake and they didn't rectify it they're pretty rubbish but Lancer were fantastic. Um, you know, good communication. Sent me the wrong thing. Going to sort it out. Keep the stuff we sent you. You know, yeah. When you, when the real test of a company because things things are going to go wrong in life. But the real test is how you deal with that mistake. When everything's going perfect, you know that's that's grand. But when things go wrong and they are that good, I mean that I use Lancehaminches because they're cheap, uh, good quali- quality product. But knowing that you know when they do make a mistake, the hand hold the hands up and say we'll get it sorted or well, that just means, you know, that they've got an even more loyal customer from me.
1: Now, I I my English Civil War ten mil stuff is also Lancer and it was the first time I'd bought anything from them and they are so cheap I was expecting I was willing to take a quality hit because they're so cheap and yet they are lovely models. Yeah they're really good. That they're, they're, they're like an example of like I bought the like the Pikeman Have an open hand, and you put your own pikes in. I did out of like the hundred pikemen or so I built. I did not have to drill or clean a single hand; they were all perfectly cast. So I could just put the the metal pikes in that I like separately bought to go in. They were they were Mm -hmm. perfect. And I think so. Things like that, like when you're fitting weapons, do they fit in the hands, or is there loads of work? Is sort of one of those yeah. A good test and you know my entire army i had changed from 40 quid for yeah. it. yeah yeah
0: just They're really amazing. good meeting, and i said customer service fantastic you know i was i would have been happy to post them back i mean i don't actually need any 20 millimeter um world war Two. it's the first time me and the wife agreed on something <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like could you send them to john anyway and i'm like i wish i could send the chance because i don't want to start another army <laughs> So of a scale of model at twenty millimeter, please. i big enough at six, ten, and and twenty. I don't start twenty mil as well. Oh my gosh, I'll be uh, I'll be bankrupt. No,
1: I think unfortunately- so. If
0: anyone, if anyone needs any twenty millimeter British then do let me know. Yeah,
1: I can't. I can't imagine myself ever playing twenty mil World War Two. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I mean, obviously that was all I purchased, right, Tom? I mean, I, oh oh, hang on. Storm Eunice hit, didn't it? I was visiting Cambridge and, um, yeah, I got stuck in a hotel room for a night because we couldn't go anywhere because it was so stormy outside and I had access to the internet and access to Ebay. So, unfortunately, I bought an Imperial and Ability Blood Bowl team for £12, which is a really good saving, to be honest.
1: I actually don't know what an Imperial and Ability Blood Bowl team looks like. So I will take you. the word. one with all the feathers?
0: Oh, the old Empire did. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I think I think those feathers are going to be the first thing to go. And I, I, I don't like the feathers too much. I might keep them just for
1: giggles, and it's less work. Feathers are, feathers are cool though because they they can really pop, and they're quite easy to paint. If you, I just I just don't like them. I don't know. I, I might. They're I too dangish for keep. you.
0: I think there's poor naked ostriches who've <laughs> lost their feathers, Tom. I got the refs, all from the same guy. I was like, Well, I'm I'm ordering these so the, the postage and packages will, is, is combined, so it's like an extra three quid, so I got those the referees as well, the elf and the dwarf referee.
1: The giggles. Oh. Glad to see that you're getting really getting into your blood teams again. Yeah. It's been twenty seven years, Tom. And
0: I'm 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 upset that I'm not playing more blood <laughs> I'm enjoying I'm like really getting into it. It's terrible. I like, I've been off the wagon and I've had like my first drink after twenty seven years and all I want to do now is go to the pub. Yeah. Is there a blood bowl pub somewhere I can go to? But uh yeah that's that's not too bad, I guess. It, I put I put in my bits box. Maybe I will make the that square on my oval list just Blood Bowl teams rather than corn Blood Bowl.
1: That's 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 I, I've got the, the same thing with, with my Mystery Square. I was like Do I go for the low-hanging fruit and put these pleats in there and go? Well, this this is an afternoon project that gets me the tick on the square. Mm -hmm. Or do I wait and do I go turn up twenty-eight at some point later in the year? And it's like uh, I think I'm keeping that square open at the time being. Well, I had those cuirasses, and
0: I knew I'd get them done so quickly. I didn't think it was really fair of me to um, to put that as a as a square. I was like, I'm gonna get it done in like a few days' time and i could i could just make it the square but that's just so i can get it done and i know i'll get it done these these troops are going to get it done for the big game so
1: we don't want to cheat ourselves do we yeah you could you,
0: it's just if you want a ticket you could just it's like almost like just ticking it for the sake of ticking it
1: yes yeah, so, oh i've painted a random character model i found that's my square
0: it's, yeah that's it if it was december the 20th i'd let you off <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so, you know But but by December 20th, it might have been like War of the Spanish Succession that's been written in there. I imagine so. I I think it's happening at some point. I think it's already happened, Tom. (laughs) It doesn't mean to break your heart.
0: I think you've already had the War of the Spanish Succession a little (laughs) while ago. Let's have a look at the games we've played. Excellent idea.
1: Games we played. So, first off, here's a segment I recorded with Ricky about some Keyforge that we played online and the prospect of using online technology for playing paper card games. So, enjoy listening to a different past version of me. I will. Hello, listeners. I'm here with Ricky to chat briefly about playing some Keyforged online that we did a couple of weeks ago. This isn't playing an online version of Keyforge. We actually played using our paper cards in our respective homes, despite us living a couple of hundred miles apart from each other. And would you like to talk us through how we did that, Ricky?
2: Yeah, so uh, rather than, as you say, using uh, an online program like Crucible, um, we used uh, a website called SpellTable. Spell table was originally designed by Magic the Gathering fans to create uh, a way to remotely play paper magic um, It recently got bought by Wizards of the coast and uh, they've they've improved a lot of the functionality uh, for for the website in terms of playing paper paper cards uh online. Um and we decided to give it a go with uh
1: Keyforge, which which I think I think went quite well, didn't it? I would say it worked perfectly. The only thing I did, I literally moved my keyboard to the side of my PC and tilted my webcam down at 90 degrees. And that was it. I played using the playmat. I play if I'm playing down at the club. I played with my cards and we played I think three games In a couple of hours And apart from once or twice Asking what's a attack Or defence on that creature It was almost like we are playing On the table across from each other I don't know how it felt for you Yeah I I
2: think um, In terms of the the approach That that I take to it um, Is that Yeah You know my webcam's not great
1: Mine's not brilliant
2: either the cards are a bit blurry uh, sometimes um the la- lighting can be a right hassle but once you've got that set up it's okay um but in terms of a traditionally play a card game you aren't constantly reading your opponent's cards they're there as a uh, placeholder for the, the rules itself um and in that I find that spell table works quite well. So you don't need to read the cards constantly. You can ask your opponent what the card says, and they may be able to move the card into a place where you can see it. Um, but in terms of uh this is a token to represent this set of rules. It works quite well.
1: And I think it's something that if I made the investment literally of like £10 to get a little tripod that holds my camera, my webcam at 90 degrees, facing the table and i play on a, if i had like a side table next to my computer that i set that up on i think you probably like i think the cards would be clear i'd have plenty of room and it would be an even better experience than what it would be and i'd, I'd be very happy to think right once a month or whatever i'm gonna have a night of playing cards with yourself or anyone where it's just not practical to play in person and
2: oh yeah it's- definitely I mean I spend twenty pounds on a it's it's just a stand for a webcam and it'll hold a mobile phone as well because um, you can use a, there is mobile phone functionality for spell table as well um, uh, and it's just an armature that I can hover over the top of the uh, the, the, the play area um as I say at ninety degrees facing down onto the play area uh and you can see the cards where it's at and then all I've really got to worry about is the height which I can use books to put this uh this armature onto um and just raise it up as high as
1: high as I can to get
2: the like an entire play map uh,
1: shot like we played keyforge for it and it worked fine and I think you could pretty much play any card game. That you wanted to it but i think where it really really comes into its own is if you're playing magic because you showed me the functionality of you put a magic card on your table i click on that card and on the interface on my end it brings up exactly what that card is and i can read that card myself
2: yeah perfectly. well what's what's even cooler is that um, it'll bring up what they call uh, the oracle for the card uh, which means that if there 's been rules changes applied to that card, the current version of that card will appear on the screen so if you 've got say uh, cards from the 90s that have had some form of errata maybe there was a mistake or something when it was first printed the the, the current rules should appear on the on the screen for you um, it, it does that that functionality really really does help uh, especially when playing uh, magic i mean i 'm not the most competitive Magic player. Uh, I've had a few games of of Commander using Spell Table Um, and it it works fairly well. I can queue up about six or seven cards on the screen. So usually my commander, my opponent's commander and then whatever relevant card we're looking at um, will be on the screen uh, at once. So I can just flick through if I need to. You've got stuff like uh, mechanics tracking on there as well, so you can track your life totals. Your commander damage, which is a, a mechanic within the commander format, um, you can do up to four person split screen um, on there as well. So you can you can do bigger bigger games. Um, I mean, th- there's just a lot of interesting ways in which you can use the the website. To uh, I mean, it does require registering and and clicking the I accept cookies sort of uh data mining that you normally get. But I think in this respect the payoff is is quite quite functional.
1: Well I I signed up on the night that we played and it probably took me about thirty seconds. And it's like sign up for a Wizard of the Coast account. Exactly. There's Um, no like card details or anything you're putting in there for it. So it's it's relatively painless, you know you if you're on a computer you're using software
2: it's yeah and it's the sort of thing that uh a lot of magic the gathering streamers use um to to do the remote games and things like that um i've, I've seen a few videos of it and the other thing with the videos is there's a lot of guides out there to setting up um like the ideal sort of lighting and what what cameras are are are, are perfect for the best shot and stuff like that because there's a lot of experience out there with uh, card game streaming uh paper card game streaming uh, that as well and the whether i don't know if wizards is you know promoting this to influencers or if the influencers themselves are genuinely into this product but there is a lot of support for the product out there and a lot of sort of ancillary um tutorials and guides out there to To help improve the value of the game that you're having
1: well i can definitely definitely see the appeal of if you have a a friend or a a part of a a gaming group where you play card games and you want to play them online rather than meeting in person just because the practicalities make it easier how for relatively little outlay you could have a, a perfect setup it sort of made me actually realise if I wanted to start playing Magic, I could just say, right, I'm going to start playing Magic with you and Sam, despite yeah. us living in three different parts of the country. And I think that would be not... We're going to play it with the limitations of we're only going to play online, as if, like, you have if you're playing some of the online games, like Tabletop Simulator. You know, you can play a war game on Tabletop Simulator, but it's a approximation of the game you're playing. Like, when we play Key Forge... I didn't feel like we played an approximation of Keyforge. I just felt like we'd play proper Keyforge.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the only, the obviously, we've been bigging up the,
1: the, the software
2: and things like that. I think the only downside to the, the setup is the same sort of stuff you'd have with any sort of online interaction over in-person interaction, which I think everybody's kind of experienced in some way, shape, or form in the last couple of years. Um, Obviously, with Zoom, Zoom, and Skype, and and all the other sort of video streaming things, there is a a, a tactile deficit to to using the the the, the digital sort of outline over say meeting up in a pub. Um, you know, the the being in a space with with an individual definitely has its own feel, uh, and that a lot of that. Can be taken away um, if you're playing spell table. Because for a start, with spell table, all you're really going to see in me is my hands. <laughs> you know, you're not going to see my face uh, unless I, you know, set set something up for that. Um, so, so you don't get that that sort of social interaction and and that sort of emotional response. You know, because I mean, talking about Magic the Gathering. I play blue, uh so I like to see the sheer frustration on my opponent's face whenever I play a card. Now I don't get that on the spell table. And the, even if it is over a camera, it's not quite the same as, you know, the smell of their pheromones as they, you know, go for fight or flight response. Um no, but that, that's
1: that's a personal opinion on, on and we, play magic together. We we did have the uh, someone joined us. Uh, our mutual friend Sam he joined us and we did have the technomancy of, can you hear me? We can hear. You're very quiet. Can you hear me? And it was so we did end up running, you know, the combination of well we can use this and chat through Discord or we can chat through Skype and so it's it's not a panacea and I, I do I, I agree that it's not the same as playing in person and you know it, it's it's very important I think to play in person and do things in person whenever possible. And I think I don't know what your opinion on this is, but I know whenever like I'm playing one of my friends in person, it's actually the game that we're playing is incidental. I'm just hanging out with a friend. Yeah. Um I, I think and I think even when like we were playing we were playing Keith Watch, but really we'd not had a chat for a while. So we were just chatting rubbish and like the game was almost like a, a tool to facilitate a chat while we look at each other's hands moving cards around and moving bits of shiny rocks from one card to another card. But saying that, I do think it, it makes the it practicality of actually me and you getting a regular gaming together despite me being in London, you being in Newcastle working regular. It's almost like, oh, well, I could have my gaming buddy back as a gaming buddy again rather than just someone we periodically chat to. Exactly. And I, I think that's that's
2: a, a very good thing, is why I'm happy to to kinda promote the the idea of,
1: of spell table. Um, and I think it's like much more practical and useful than saying, right, we're gonna play a game of kill team via webcam. So <laughs> have you we've both got the same table set up and like right, I'm moving this eleven point three centimetres to the right that I think would be terrible if we tried to play like an actual war game by webcam. But yeah. Yeah. I think-, I,
2: I think one of the other kind of advantages that I see, um, but this is more uh, using like the, the difference between sort of playing paper cards and playing digital cards um, is that it allows you to uh, learn and explore the rules of the game in a a more nuanced way so say say we were playing keyforge we were using crucible to play keyforge so a digital version of keyforge all the rules are programmed into the into the terrible java website that that crucible was or is or will be i'm not sure if crucible's still running but i'll keep talking about it anyway um but you know all the all the it's a digital format. All the rules for the game are programmed in there. We don't actually have to interact with the rules itself. We just have to inter- react to the board state. Yeah. Which doesn't teach you the rules in at the all. same way, or at all. You know, you know. If I'm if I'm playing Magic Online or or Magic Arena, I'm not learning how to play Magic. What I'm doing is I'm just I'm, I'm manipulating a system.
1: Um, I, yeah, and like when we were playing Keyforge, I had the deck I play with regularly in my hand. I'm still, you know, I'm. I had the like pretty much the same sensory experience. It's not like I'm not looking at a representation of these cards. I've got these cards, mm-hmm. right? I've got to remember when I do this. I've got to physically move the amber from this pile to this pile at the end of the turn. Yeah, it's automatically done and actually going right and it, it was much more but like expanding on that point that you made, you know the skills that i learned when we played are much more transferable to when i go and play key forged with the opponent opposite me yeah than if we played it online when i just you don't really learn the rules you're just pressing buttons mm-hmm. um and also it was much quicker to set up because it wasn't especially with the game like Keyforge, where you've got a completely random deck every time. Mm. There was no, I've got to go through a list of 10,000 cards, selecting each one for my exact deck, or I'm copying deck codes or that sort of thing to get my deck on ready to go. And then here we go. And like, oh, I've actually built like a broken deck or I've built like a an illegal deck or anything. No, it's just like, here's my deck of cards that I've got off the shelf. Yeah. Uh, away we go. Well, that's a beauty keyforge, I think. Um, uh, yeah, as, as I say, spell tables, good, good product, give it a go. It's free. Would get a, a thumbs up recommendation from me. Yeah. And well, thank you very much for joining us this evening for a quick chat, Ricky, and speak to you soon. No worries, thank you.
0: I played some keyforge with Paul. Hi, Paul. And he beat me. He beat me at Keyforge. He thrashed, thrashed me at Keyforge, which was a one. We had, we had lots and lots of games. And, uh, yeah, it is interesting to see how different, even as decks play against each other when you play a second time. So I got my dinner money taken by Paul playing Keyforge the first time. And then we tried the same decks again, and I won quite quickly. And I was like, wow, it's really interesting how quickly... It can turn. Around. I just think it's a really interesting and fun game, and we should play more of it. But you know, I like it's to fun soldiers for tomorrow, as well. Tomorrow, I
1: think, isn't
0: it? We are playing tomorrow. That's right. I think we should play more, and yet also more Blood Bowl as well. <laughs> uh, speaking of Blood Bowl, I had my first league match, the Stench Bowl League, uh, official game against um, Anthony. Hi, Anthony. And it was my Necromantic team versus his Nurgle Rotters team and uh it was what we rolled for the weather at the start and it was like a bright sunny day and then on the kickoff we rolled and it said that the weather changed and it went like to night time and we're like that must be like the clouds coming in from um the necromantic team's thunder clouds and all the plague of flies coming in for the rocks. it's not actually any it's not just, just the stark clouds gathering of like flies and stormy weather over the pitch and it was a really fun game um spoilers it was a one all draw, but that really didn't um reflect i think the game his nurgle guys was bashing the heck out of my my necromantic half of my team at, in the final down were just in the in the reserves box because they were injured or out you know knocked out um had a werewolf die again but he got better <laughs> it seems to be a trend I'm happy to keep um yeah it, i i it was really, really fun. Anthony was a great opponent, had a really good time. I continue to love playing Blood Bowl, whatever's happening, it's just good fun. And I, I was lucky, so lucky to manage to scratch that that draw, managed to get a touchdown myself, one all-touchdown. Um, I look forward to finding out who my next opponent is in Blood Bowl. And it's a completely different feeling to the one I felt while playing our big English Civil War game, Tom.
1: Well, here we are, back.
0: But the big English Civil War was not fun and lighthearted. It was a very serious business about a tyrant king. Maybe we'll tell listeners a bit more about it, Tom.
1: Well, back in 2019, as a club, we decided that we were going to play English Civil War as a, a big... All the historical players, we all got together and we decided we are going to do a, a big project where we all build English Civil War armies and play it throughout 2020. As everybody knows, 2020 had different plans than what people had planned. And so we played one game of English Civil War in 28 mil. And then we didn't play anything again until October, November last year, when we played uh, the first mass player big game. That uh, we have, Ed came up with the fictional setting of H.A., where we are. It's historically inspired by this the first civil war. Mm-hmm. So there's the parliamentarian and the royalist armies are basically mooching about, and each force has got a single army, and all of the battles that we've fought so far have been minor royalist victories, but they've all been close enough to say that like none of them have been by any way decisive of being well, technically the Royalists win this and win this. So the game that we played the other Saturday there was seven of us playing it. We played on a 16 by six foot table. So we had four six by fours uh, widthways. We had probably well over a 1,028 minis on the table. We played all day. We got five turns in and it was again a slightly inconclusive draw
0: seven hours
1: to get to a draw <laughs> that's but,
0: english civil war guys that's that's the fun of gaming
1: but we we were if we'd have had another couple of hours we would have had a decisive result but the mission we were the the mission that we were playing was that we were playing the opening hours In a decisive battle, and we were sort of playing the forward elements of both forces. And how the game ended was both the parliamentarian and royalist armies sort of second lines was of both moving up the table. Mm -hmm. And so when we play our third, our fourth, and final game, we are going to play a big pitched battle. Sort of set up on the table so people probably possibly be in combat turn one and it will that will, will then be able to play decisively because the diff the, how we played this game was sort the two armies you had like a a six foot wide frontage to deploy on but you sort of started you know 12 to sixteen feet away from the enemy so there was a lot of sort of like movement too close whereas what we're planning to do is in the final game, we will start you know, four feet apart.
0: Yeah. It, it, the idea was that giving that backspace would give us a chance to manoeuvre. But then the frontage was, it sounds large, but it was so small that when they actually came together, there wasn't really much manoeuvring. It was just a, a, a swirling milieu of, um, of horses and pike, which well, is kind it, of fun in itself. But it was like, what's going on here?
1: I think it was both an absolutely amazing spectacle. It was. And I, I would fully encourage everybody who's interested to have a look on the Facebook group. It is something out of a gaming magazine. Yeah, but it does realistically throw up the in a way the problem of playing twenty with twenty eight mm models is you can't really play on a table that's any wider than six feet because you can't fit you can't move models. And when a thousand 28 mil models, even when you're using small unit frontages, have an absolutely massive footprint. And so it's not like you can play on a tennis court because you can't move the models. And I think that like we, we were playing wide board edge to wide board edge. So we couldn't have played on a wider table and, and moved the models unless we were using sticks. And that sort of stuff. So it it was both like an amazing spectacle to look at, but maybe not the most nuanced game. Because basically we had too many toys.
2: I mean, I'll you be know. honest, I I'm
0: not that hot on the rules for Pike and Shot. I was pretty much asking my okay, what am I rolling? What am I rolling? What's going on? What are we doing? But it was it was it the spectacle. It it it's um Some games you play, but the head's down, tactical, manoeuvring, I do that, this happens, this happens, this happens, you know, and then the chance of this, and you're trying to work out the best possible thing you can do. That wasn't this game. This game was, you saw all the models. Things are happening on the table, and you couldn't keep track of, you couldn't keep track of what was happening in the battle. You just had to worry about what was happening in your small area. And unlike other big games, I think Pike and Shot does this really
1: well, as it actually keeps things moving. Oh, definitely. I, I think Pike and Shot is, in a way, a, br- a perfect game for this type of game. Yeah. Because ha- because its core mechanics are they're very free-flowing. It's very simple. And it doesn't require... Because you're just using, right, this commander's using this bunch of people... You don't need to know what like the overall situation necessarily is. You can play in this little area. And also, the way the dice rolls and things can go, you can't get too upset if your grand master plan doesn't come off because your commander fails to activate three turns, so it just sits there. I think like a great example of like how you can't get too hung up on what happens in it as a game. It's like when... My two units of cavalry charged your single unit of Tower Hamlet's trained band. I mean, they were the
0: men of the match, weren't they, really? <laughs> I've very rarely rolled that
1: well, Tom, in my life. You know, a unit of cavalry, eight attacks, hitting on threes, getting beaten and destroyed by a unit with four attacks, hitting on fours. It's a bunch of cockney lads with uh, snooker balls and socks happened twice two of my best units are cavalry charged this single out of positioned unit ah, of shot ah. and they got massacred twice yeah, battle plan, don't roll anything less than a 5 <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's like,
0: well, look at that oh, good. Yeah that good uh, make 14 uh, morale checks Andy oh pass them all, <laughs> is that good take 7 saves I, you did you, did. you did give me a look that said you weren't very happy with me, and i was like, okay, I've got
1: witnesses looking at the dice. There's nothing I can do. Look, they're there. I can't. You did. did you it, know what was? It It was something like you made about 18 five ups, in, you know it, it was crazy. It was mad. Yeah, crazy that's Like, uh
0: okay. At the
1: time, I wanted, and then, to, and yeah.
0: then for the rest of the game, my dice were terrible. I was like, it was. It was just for that one combat. I was on. It was just like the gods' chance had spoken and said. These
1: lads are going to do well. The rest of yeah. the time, I was like ones, two. Those just, two units, you spent about twenty hours painting. They're just going to bounce off those twelve oiks. And well, uh, this because I, I live in Tower Hamlets, so they were they were my, my my special unit of Tower Hamlets
0: trained band.
1: So I wanted to, I wanted flag. to do well.
0: Obviously, at the dandy flag, and as obviously you had just painted those models, so they had to die. That's how it works. These are really nice
1: models. They should die because they're well painted. But I, I think like. The reverse happened with John. John had, I think, four units of cavalry charged me and yeah. they all just turned to charged me. They all bounced off and were destroyed. And it, It's just a very quick game. It, it, yeah. it, it played very quickly. Uh, I like to read, you read history and you look at like reports and you're like how could all these
0: reports of this battle be so different from different points of view? And I'm pretty sure that there were eight different stories that were told that day from the eight different players that were there. Oh, yeah. Each person had a different battle and saw it in a different way. And if you're looking to recreate the feeling of what it's like to have been in a battle and command troops, I think this worked perfectly because everyone had different, I, there was things happening I wasn't aware of on the battlefield.
1: Yeah, and I think it, it the game quite quickly broke down into almost like a each player had a zone of control. And it's like if a model moves into your area, you're basically taking control of it because whoever's actual model it is is too far away to be activating it and moving it. And we were very lucky in that we had a bunch of players who was all happy for everyone to touch their toys and roll dice. For the mm-hmm. toys, and you know, nobody was like, "Well, I've just killed your best unit," and nobody threw the dummy yeah, out. Yeah, like Ed didn't realize my cuirasses were cuirasses of tough item.
0: Is that I forgot? I didn't realize. I was like, "That is absolutely fine," because I was happy to just just to watch the the unfolding of the battle scene. I just sat down. I was like, "No, I'm gonna let everyone else roll my dice." By this point, the tower Hamlets trained bands, and killed your cavalry. So I was like, "This game can literally not get any better for me now." So. Everyone else can roll
1: dice. It's all downhill for me from now. I think it's also to point point out though that none of us really know the PyCon Shot rules that well. Mm-hmm. None of us are any by any means like veterans of playing big historical games. Yeah, we've probably all played quite a few failed games of Apocalypse. Yeah, turn <laughs> the, the the one and a half turns in like eight
0: hours of
1: yeah games exactly. of Apocalypse. Yeah. And I think it it really shows how if you just have a bunch of mates together, you can do these big games without a huge amount of preparation. Like you you throw some terrain together, just get out and play it, it. It just works. It isn't rocket science in a way. And just if any problems come up, just work them out as a group. We played with the simple unit statistics so we didn't play with like, unit special rules, we yeah. made it so that each commander could give one of their units a cavalry and one unit a foot from a list of special rules. And it, it just made it play much quicker because you know, we were playing with hundreds of models on each side. yeah, And it worked really well. It, it just made me want to do it all the time,
0: really every yeah. quarter. And there was, there was no egos there. there. This was not, you know, everyone was there with the right kind of attitude that this is just... So we're, we're working through the motions here. This isn't we must kill each other in the most I must destroy the fun of my opponents kind of attitude that, you know, you might get in some games. It's very much a gentleman getting together to roll dice and see how the battle would unfold.
1: Yeah, it's very much I would say it's more like a collaborative experience rather yeah. than actual. It's not really competitive at all. You're trying uh, y- you're all working together to tell a story. Yeah, your
0: dice rolls will do you in if you're trying to <laughs> if you're trying to be too um, yeah too combative. It's going to just you know a few double ones for a few a few important rolls will scupper any battle yeah, because plan you have.
1: I think Aaron sort of spent a couple of minutes, didn't he, giving a big motivational speech about what his battle plan was going to be and he was going to do this, 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 and this. Rolled the eight he needed and rolled like a three. I was like, well, yeah. they, they're doing nothing. Uh, it's going to do nothing this turn, apart from look at their boots.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then other, other units, not mentioning any in particular, maybe the Tower Hamlets boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should be dead. Why are you still alive? So like, oh, they're, they're, they're dead. Nope, they're the best unit on the board. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a really, really fun day. And, you know, thanks to everyone that came, we... Um, We gave out a few little prizes. They weren't really prizes. They were were prizes because everyone got a nice award for something they did that day, which we thought was great. So big thanks to everyone that came along and joined in. And uh, that's one of my best gaming experiences in my life, I have to be honest. And I hope we can do an even bigger um, battle next time. More efficient. We've learned a few lessons.
1: I think we've learned more. We've definitely learned lessons. We've definitely learned... Not to be afraid of changing things up a bit, yeah. And I, I, I agree. I think, especially when I sort of sat down mid-afternoon and just like looked at what was going on, and it was you're in you're involved in something that you've only seen pictures of before. This is super cool. Yeah, it was a cool way of spending my birthday weekend. Yeah, it was wonderful. Happy birthday, Tom!
0: Again. I bought Thompson dice for his birthday. I don't know how they roll. Do they roll well?
1: I haven't rolled them yet because the D and D dice. I haven't played. I haven't done any role playing for a while. Have you just roll them. Football.
0: You don't. You don't. You don't have to wait for a game of D and D to roll some dice and see if they're any good. Are you I worried don't... you're going to wear the luck out on them if you roll them too much? I don't. I mean, just... you've got so many twenties on this dice, and I'm going to wear them out. I may be a nerd,
1: but I don't just sit at home
0: randomly rolling dice. Well, you think up there when you... No, but you, when you get a set of dice now, please. OK, I think we'll have to have a poll on the group. When you buy a set of dice, you roll them to see if they roll well or not before you use them in the game. Surely. No, no you're wrong. You're wrong, Tom. We've never disagreed before. <laughs> I completely
1: disagree. But, but you see, if I didn't know Rick, I would say I have bad dice luck. But I know Rick, so I can't moan. This is true. So. <laughs> Anything but a one. Yeah, and he really shouldn't play orcs, because you have to roll a lot of dice. I've never seen anyone roll negative on a D6 before. You've injured yourself with that dice. That's kind in your eye. Um, no. We'll, we'll, well, I'll have to play some bubble with you soon. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll break out the rubber duck dice for that.
0: Ooh. Yeah, there were dice. the dice I bought um had little rubber ducks inside, uh, inside the dice, which so I thought they were fun. So shall we
1: have a... Gender over at the Hobby News.
0: Absolutely.
1: Hobby News. Not quite as a as, as busy month as last month. There's like a few companies have brought out different bits and pieces of different ranges, which we'll go through first and then bring out probably like the big what's potentially big news for some people. So War Games Atlantic <clears throat> have released the images of their World War One Russians. Which they sort of claim you can use for obviously World War One, Russian Revolution. Um, like right up until sort of like early like Winter War era, I think. Pushing it a bit with the Winter War. But, you know, classic war games, Atlantic, look really nice sculpts, loads of bits, let you do you know, at that interest really does you know, there's a lot of conflicts that Russia was involved with from sort of and they've got the Japanese coming out as well, haven't they, for the same period? I haven't seen any pictures of those yet. Maybe Gitson doing some, like, white and red Russian gaming might be quite fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then Bacchus have released the Mark III Valentine and a mixed pack of Commonwealth lorries and a German munitions Panzer 38T. You know, they just bits and pieces, really, that sort of, like, rounding out some more of their... Six mil World War two range the lorries are really good well, not being super exciting going, oh great lorries actually for for especially games like o group like transport options are, are really quite important for some of those yeah. lists, so having more lorries it's good and it, again it's one of the benefits of playing things in like six mil is that you can have you know the transport options and you go well the, this is how many lorries you need to move this ammunition and that sort of stuff so that's quite cool Perry's have released uh, several blisters of grape coat Napoleonic Russians that's right yeah which are you know I really really like the the Perry Russian stuff for the Napoleonic they're so nice um and also, for, for the parries of recent times, they're actually quite useful as well. because yeah. I think quite a lot of people play Napoleonic Russians. Uh, GW news. There's some new Eldor stuff, and they've buffed Wraith Knights again. Yeah. Um, that's as much as I know. as.
0: Is, yeah, the, the prices are going up again.
1: Uh, Mantic have released a point of pre-order the Salamander Fleet for Armada. Emantic news and then big news really possibly is the uh, warlord have both put up pre order the slain game, mm. which will appeal to some people, probably not most people. It's it is a reworking again of the strontium dog slash judge dread game, but it's been reworked to obviously focus a lot more on close combat. I like the Judge Dread game. And I will probably pick up Slain at some point in the future, but not at the moment. Yeah. But the really big thing that Warlord have brought out is Combined Arms. Yeah. Which is an attempt to... Well, it's, a bo- it's technically a board game. Yeah, because it's, it's a board game you can play standalone, isn't it?
0: But you yes. can also combine together the boat game, the plane game, and the land game.
1: Yeah, you could technically combine both boat games as what well. You can use one or the other. Mm-hmm. So you can use, like, Cruel Seas or... Victory at Sea. Victory at Sea. Yeah, Blood Red Skies and Bolt Action. So it's it's a World War II set board game with hexes. Where it's like, right, we're moving into this hex. Right, we have an air battle to sort out who controls this hex. Right, it's going to be a Bolt Action game to control this hex. I really, really like the idea of it. And I think it's a great way of actually combining those three games into making it it more joined up and going, right, none of these things are working in isolation. The forces on the ground need air support. The air support also needs naval support, you know, XYZ. My issue with it, really, is that I hardly know anybody who plays... Blood Red Skies, all mm-hmm. the Sea Games. Yeah, I, I just don't really know anybody to, who who plays those. And so, if I was to pick it up and play it, it would be lots of bolt action games, and then using the board game mechanic itself for sorting out those other two. Yeah, but I do like the idea of having a campaign, like a more involved campaign. With the tiles and all that sort of stuff And I would be interested to play it And I think we're going to have an episode coming up soon About playing a campaign And, and playing campaigns However, I personally don't think That I need to buy a £50 game To play a series of games on a map Working yeah. out things Like, I, I it, it reminded me Very much of the old uh gw mighty empires yeah with the little hex thing yeah. where you just move them around yeah. and it was like i know a couple of people who had that back in the day and it was like really cool but it was like do we actually really need this for what we're doing can't we just do this on a piece of paper and you know we all like shiny visual things and we obviously all like toys mm. and I think this is like a good idea. I'm just not sure personally if it's the best implementation for me. I don't know what your thoughts are on that one, Andy. I
0: haven't really looked into it. Um, I have experienced staggering um, failures of campaigns in the past, started with the best intentions and then three sessions in. You've only got three of the original fifty people that still want to play it. You know, it's that kind of situation where everyone starts with the best will in the world. And maybe having a system like this would keep people focused, makes it more visually interesting for them. They can track things. And maybe you want to do a campaign of bolt action. And so having this other system of doing the planes and the sea using the, the 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 game rules rather than actually blood, red skies or victory at sea so giving us other mechanism to have those involved rather than like going well this is just you know rolling and yeah you know, whatever system you're using for it you know just just purely bolt action let's have these other elements in there perhaps that'll work really well rather than trying to use all three all the time maybe you think will be too much maybe it's just what you've been you know, if you play blood red skies and victory and see and bolt action this might be something you've been just dying to come out like you're like yes finally something that's going to combine the three. Um, for me, I don't see me getting it or using it, I must be honest.
1: No, I, I think I think something that I could see myself using much more is something that's brought out by Victrix this month. Like, they, they've all, they're bringing out a 12-mil Puma and Priest to go with some more of their 12-mil range, but they're bringing out a book called The Forgotten Battles in Russia, 1942. Mm-hmm. And it's a book of 19 scenarios That you can use any World War II rule set for. Yeah. And they're all based basically everywhere on the Eastern Front in 1942 that isn't Stalingrad. Mm -hmm. And I think, right, these are, are basically 19 different scenarios or missions that you can play that would say, right, we're playing a campaign on the Eastern Front. Here we go. That I would be more inclined to pick up than the these are the map tiles for Normandy so we can play Normandy. Because um, the other thing, like, I don't mean to be Mr. Negative about the combined arms, but another, uh, like I know you're going to be anyway. <laughs> well, just like another practicality point of it, because like, for a long time I've been wanting to play like a, an old school war game like the Chit and Counter style war game with the yeah. hex maps. The problem is, you do not play those games in like a weekend or a week. They take weeks to play. Yeah. Where do you keep the board set up? Yeah. And I'm thinking like it's going to be quite a lot of but like with when you're playing combined arms, you're gonna to have to like photograph the board state at the end of every time you pack it away before you pack it yeah. away so you know how to reset it next time you you, you play a thing, at least with the Mortal Empires things it's sort of all clipped together so it was a, a model yeah in and of its own so I mean, you can take
0: a picture of the board of your camera phone these days but yeah. it's, you know it almost feels like you could have an app yeah it's for that these I, days why is there I not just, an app
1: I'm just like it, it does it does feel to me like this would be a better online thing i think
0: I think the combined arms is something that a lot of uh, Warlord fans have been asking for, and they're going to get a lot of success from it. I think you can certainly use it in your games if you're playing bolt action. Maybe look at that to make a a more linked campaign if you like campaigns. I know we play a lot of pickup games, Tom, and events rather than campaigns. Uh, But maybe there's something that can bring something a bit more special and build that narrative story um, to your games using this, this game.
1: Yeah, in complete agreement with that. And I I do think, and you know, full props to them, that it's great to see them trying to work out a way of making the separate games like work alongside each other. And I imagine it's also possibly a great way of bringing in new players to those other games. I'm going, well, you know, you might play Blood Red Skies already, you might play Bolt Action. You go, well, I'll give Cruel Seas a go because it joins in with the three of them. And you might have a club where you've got a
0: whole group of people who just play Victory at Sea. One group, part of the group plays Blood Red Skies, another part plays Boat Action. And you've got that club where there's three little groups of playing. Well, fantastic. Suddenly you've got something the whole club can be doing. OK, we're doing our our our, our flying game. We'll be doing our boat game. And you play the land game all on the same night. You know, and
1: you know that might be great for your club. That is a, a really good point, actually, that you don't have to play all three games yourself. Yeah. Because like we know at our club, we have some people who play naval games. Yeah. And they might well have, right, you two have got victory at Sea fleets. Do you want to play this game? And we'll do the Blood yeah. Red Skies bit. That's, yeah, we'll, we'll do normally while you're doing the midway and
0: we'll work out what's going on, you know. Yeah. So um,
1: I love that it gives another option. Options are always good, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Really. Bloody Miniatures um, have a third wave of models coming out and they look amazing. I saw um, Ed paint some up. I saw him in the flesh uh, in the English Civil War game that we played. Oh, harking back a little bit. So let just talk about combined arms. So we'll talk about Bloody Miniatures in a minute. But you were talking about having like an overview. I thought it might be quite good fun for an English Civil War game to have your two commanders in separate areas from the board. And then they take pictures and then they give their commands to the sub-commanders and they actually go and command the units. And that would actually give you a much more realistic interpretation of what it's like to be a commander of a battle. It's like, why were you taking the left flank? Well, I went over there to do it and I rolled a failure for all my orders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, was uh, just an idea. Anyway, back to English Civil War.
1: Now, I, I, back I think to our that... blood red skies, even though no, back to English Civil War. <laughs> I, I think that like the friction in orders, I think, would... I, I don't think any game really models it that well. You know, like, sort of, look at Waterloo, and it's like, well, where's Ney? Well, he's in this village. What's he doing there? He's supposed to be here. What's going on? What? what, what Why is he attacking those squares with my horse? What's what? What's going on? Why isn't he doing this? What, supposed to, uh, Sort of, like, poorly worded orders. And that's sort of yeah. I know, like, the, the failed dice roll, sort of, is designed to, sort of, replicate some of that. Yeah. But... Yeah, you know, I, I know when I've been doing some, uh, like, archival research, you sort of come across sheafs and sheafs of, like, hastily drawn sketches that people have, like, taken in battles. And it's like, do you mean this ridgeline or this ridgeline or this one? Which is the, like, when you say the clump of trees, which clump of these... The, I've quickly drawn the three clumps of trees. Which clump of trees do you mean? That's the charge the light brigade, isn't it? Uh,
0: to, uh, you know, advance towards the cannons or charge the cannons. Which was it again? Ah, charge them. I've seen the, some wonderful uh, models from Rubicon for 28 mil uh, Viet Cong for, um, for Vietnam. They've got some Vietnam models. And now they've got the, the opposing force there for the, for the U.S. And, uh, they look really, really interesting as well if you're looking to do some Vietnam War. Um, Victrix have some late Romans, obviously. Didn't set their alarm clock. Sorry, everyone but there's some uh, Victrix you some really really nice models um and one thing that I think is going to interest uh, Tom is um never mind the bill hooks too yes. it's due to come out in early spring this year so not too far away there i mean i didn't invest in the original never mind the bill hooks i wanted to i was going to get it salute and it didn't happen for some reason but very exciting to know that that's going to be available soon I, I will probably be investing in that I have a war of the roses army that I'm going to be building and painting this year fingers crossed uh, thanks for the advice on that Martin so that's going to be exciting to have a look at when we know a few more details on that as well
1: so do you have some transport procured for us this month Andy
0: I've got the engine warming up outside shall we take a quick drive through the gallery <laughs> Da, 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 da. The gallery. So Tom and I are sat in a lovely brown Ford Cortina as we screech around the streets of the uh, the East End here in London. And we're heading towards, uh, as we pound our way through some boxes uh, into a warehouse filled with some beautifully painted miniatures. Oh, what's that as I sharply turn the car, Tom, over there? I think it's some models from
1: Benjamin. Yep, we have Benjamin Shagoff. Not he's, he's not called Benjamin Shagoth. <laughs> <laughs> he might be now. I might be his unique name. We, we need we need to differentiate our various Bens. Uh, this is Benjamin Fletcher's Shagoff that like he's painted. Actually, Benjamin's put up a, a, a whole series of, of cool models this month. From there's pirates, there's wizards, there's a there's windy wolves,
0: ghost. there's bears. Oh my! Brilliant. Um every, every kind of cr- random creature. Um he suffers from a, a medical condition that I also suffer from. It's called going to salute. Um <laughs> it affects the wallet and it fills your basket with wonderful, wonderful odd models that you find as you go around that you didn't know you needed till you saw them. Um but these look fantastic, such vibrant colours. Um really, really nice,
1: Benjamin. Great work. Yeah, fantastic. Um to something slightly more grounded in reality than a shagoth is the other benjamin's 95th rifles
0: oh they're very nice aren't
1: they these are lovely they're lovely models they're mm-hmm. lovely painted mm-hmm. so where are we off to next in this i was just gonna mention uh ben's um other unit. he painted of uh, british
0: troops uh for fighting martians some lovely red-coated guys they look fantastic but uh Enough of the Ben Warehouse as I steer us around the fish market along the docks. Um, I think we're heading towards um, Steve Evans uh, and a more fantastical uh, Kings of War setting just beyond the fish markets there. I can see he's painted some some paladins and some Templars and um, some some naked dwarves by the looks of it as well. They look fantastic. Uh,
1: Those dwarves are the same dwarves that I painted for my so-called naughty dwarf Project and yep, Steve Evans put up a couple of videos on the Facebook group, public sport group, about his from his YouTube channel where he's posted up his Kings of War army and his Earthmark army. Mm-hmm. Both look really cool and actually doing like a, a video army showcase is, is a really nice way of, of showing off an army. I think I might next time I paint a big army yeah. do a video of them rather mm-hmm. than just taking a few potato shots and uh, you know gorgeous models i really like how it's used a mixture of the like norman plastics the gripping beast stuff and like a variety of things from like that early crusades era yeah to create an oathmark army that is both unique but really coherent looking it's really nice mm-hmm.
0: very nice now as we swerve to avoid two uh, gentlemen carrying a large pane of glass I realise we've entered the Warren Standard. As always, Warren has outdone himself again.
1: Well, I chose just a couple of things this month to fill in the Warren Standard because otherwise we'll have to open up the official Warren fan club. So Indeed. I've chosen the Giant Flies. The Bugs are brilliant. And my favourite one as well, Tom. <laughs> he posted up. And what he described is just, a quick, simple unit of trolls mm-hmm. for an Earthmark army. Again, I wish my quick, simple units could be this
0: quick, <laughs> quick and as <laughs> simple
1: and beautiful Yeah, man, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. And you know, talking about like just amazing paint jobs that are, are really nice. Got to mention Steve's mechanized tank destroyer platoon.
0: Oh yeah, that
1: uh, he posted up.
0: Just great to have you join us on the facebook group Steve. and as we you know we mentioned in your interview you know um fantastic stuff and it's really good to see I hope you all enjoyed looking at the
1: beautiful tanks <laughs> yeah and then before you zip us off to our final destination just want to quickly mention uh columns like industrial toxic waste terrain mm. I, I i really like this i think it's it's nice effective terrain and i also like that he's very proud it was built on a budget with stuff from poundland and i'm sure all of those of us who have built terrain have spent more time browsing like poundland and the dollar store than we would probably like to admit
0: for every time we go in like a pound every time I go past a pound i drag my wife in there just so i can go and look at the toy section and go is there anything in here that i could
1: use to make something yeah, it's, it's it's always surprising what you can get. The toys and like the resins and the sealants and all that sort of stuff. Like when we played the bolt action event a couple of years ago, like so much of like those roads and rivers and stuff was just pound chop sealant and epoxy resin and stuff. It's it's great, and I think Callum's terrain that he posted up is how you can make really effective looking gameable terrain. Yeah. Without having loads of tools and without having like a massive budget, it yeah. looks really cool. And like, especially if you're p- baking terrain just to play a game, or it's club terrain, you don't need to spend a fortune on it to make it look cool and playable. And actually, quite often, the simpler things last much better. Like, I know in our club, we've got some terrain sets that are ten years old and have mm-hmm. been played, and that they are made of uh, literally like painted yakult tubs and stuff like that it still survives and it's it's held basic but sturdy i think is is better than fancy and delicate when it comes to club terrain yeah can people who have had a couple of shandies put this away in 10 minutes at the end of the night when they're going to throw it in a box it should be in the design briefing when you're building club terrain I understand the terrain was so good that
0: um, his fiancee agreed to marry him. So congratulations! <laughs> I mean, that's some good
1: scenery there. You know? That must be the yep. best. You know, if, <laughs> if your significant other looks like goes, I enjoy that toxic waste pool quite a lot, then you are, you're you're onto a winner there.
0: So as our tires spin and we screech off down East India Dock Road, um, I can see uh, a few last minute people. We should mention, obviously. Um, Jack did a really nice um, orc and a dragon um, looked really good and it's in red and green and it doesn't look Christmassy, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but quite often you see someone who's done something that's in red and green think Ah, that looks like Christmas. Well, that is not the case for this dragon. He did a really good job on there. And did uh, a wonderful conversion of uh, an old chaos dwarf uh, wizard using some bits and pieces he had lying around. So great work there. And, um, final thank you to Anthony for our our game of Blood Bowl and he was so inspired by the game he actually painted his team they were in resplendent grey a a, a resplendent zenithial grey when I saw them and now they have been painted lovely
1: lovely colours before we depart the area I just wanted to give props to uh, some of the stuff that you'd painted Andy I thought the flags that you'd put on your 28mm ECW stuff really popped and looked
0: oh really thank nice. you i
1: had and... to cut them out myself and use pva so i was and i was, did all that while i was
0: unsupervised by the wife so it's pretty good work for me
1: and the the 10 mil dragoons again really nice really really cool and i know you'd had a a little uh quandary when painting those if they were looking a bit too purple ah well
0: you know you have these questions running through your head don't you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Really nice. And oh, thank and thank you. you for taking me a, a drive round in your old Cortina.
0: That's oh, lovely. It's uh, I'm gonna get it filled up with some unleaded right now. Oh we'll, we'll wait to see what
1: luxury transport mode we have available next. I'm month. doing
0: I'm doing um I'm doing donuts in the Asda Car Park <laughs> in the Cortina. The other Dogs call Asda car park right now in the Cortina with Tom. He's getting a bit dizzy, that's why he's giggling. Oh, yeah. It's good that we're at the end of the show. It's getting silly now. <laughs> so thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to join the conversation on the Facebook group, that would be great. And we'll see you all soon for our next episode. And if you are going to join the Facebook group, please answer the questions. We can't let you join if you don't answer the questions, because we don't know if you're a bot or not.
1: Well, Thank you very much, Andy, and goodbye. Thanks, Tom. Catch you soon.